Today is December 30th, 2021. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and the year is finally coming to an end. 2021 has been an exceptional year for the sport of boxing. I'm here to break it all down real quick and send you guys off on your merry way. Hopefully, you guys are having a safe holiday week. Um, I myself have been doing nothing. I've been really relaxing. I didn't even force myself to do this podcast. I said, I'm going to do what I want to do on this vacation. And that involves eating food that is not very healthy at all. I would not recommend it. But I will say this. I have been having fun and I have been watching some boxing. I will say that. I did my due diligence. I went back and rewatched several, if not all, of these fights that I'm about to talk about pretty shortly. Um, the thing about making this podcast is I always want to be genuine with it. I don't want to force it. I don't look at this thing like work at all. This is something I love to do. And I do it because I care about the sport. And I want to share my opinions, how I genuinely see things. I don't want to feed you an agenda. I don't want to persuade you to do anything. I want you to have your own opinion because like the podcast says, everyone has one. I'm just bringing mine to the forefront. Hopefully we can share opinions. If you disagree, you have an open invitation to come on the podcast and debate me. You can at me at someone else. You can DM me on Twitter uh, at someone else. Um, you can text me. You can email me if you're part of the original email um, group that I was sending this out to before it was an official podcast. I am just here to deliver you the information that I see. That's it. So that's why I took my time. Didn't want to bullshit my list at all. There was so much good stuff this year. And it was really hard to come down to a lot of these. Some of them were quite easy, but there was definitely some interesting options as far as fight of the year and stuff like that. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm going to start it right off with knockouts of the year. Everyone loves a knockout. Most people watch the sport just to see someone get knocked out. That's just a fact. So KOs of the year. Number three to me, I would say Oscar Valdez over Miguel Burchelt. This was an awesome unification bout. Burchelt was the slight favorite. Valdez, known for his great left hook, ends it with a left hook. Stepping back as uh, Burchelt was just relentlessly pressuring him until he ultimately got knocked out cold. Tremendous knockout. That is Valdez over Brichelt. That is number three on the list. Number two was what happened um, a little over a week ago. That was Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley in a crazy, crazy knockout. Tyron Woodley went face first on the canvas, knocked out cold. And Jake Paul's star continues to ride because that fight was awful up until that knockout. Jake Paul needed that to save his credibility, to save his marketability. And he, the circus, if you will, will continue to roll. Jake Paul does have real power. Jake Paul will continue to beat UFC fighters, in my opinion. And I think that's what he should do. I hear a lot of people, oh, he needs to fight a real boxer. Why? So he can lose? Just say you want to see him lose. Don't say he needs to fight a real boxer because he was originally scheduled to fight Tommy Fury, um, brother of Tyson Fury, who is a quote-unquote real boxer, 
and Tommy Fury pulled out. So it's not Jake Paul's uh, fault that he had to scramble two weeks before the event, find a suitable replacement, and ends up knocking him out cold. That's just the name of the game. This guy can actually punch. He actually set up the shot really well, fainted to the body. If you look at the fight, um, a lot of people looking at the slow motion video and they say, oh my God, this is rigged. Look at Tyron Woodley. He's waiting for the punch. In slow motion, you can see it. No, you can't see him waiting for the punch. What you can see in slow motion, though, is Tyron Woodley with his hands up. Jake Paul's eyes are on Tyron Woodley's body, and he delivers the right hand to where it looks like it's being delivered to Tyron Woodley's body. So Tyron Woodley drops his hands from his head to his body to deflect what he thinks is a body shot. But when in reality, it's a looping right hand that knocks Woodley out cold. If you think it's rigged, getting knocked out cold, then you know nothing about the sport of boxing. You know nothing about fighting in general. And if you're rigging something, you should not rig it to where you get knocked out cold. Where's the rig in that? If we're going to rig something, we're doing it so I'm not getting knocked out cold. Trust me. But that's just a sign of the fact that Ty- that Jake Paul is on fire right now. he got a lot of haters, a lot of people that want to see him get beat up. And that's where the money is. People are going to pay to see him lose. Um, but I think he conti- he'll continue to beat these non-boxers, continue to make money, and at the same time, continue to get better. And if he ends up fighting a guy like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who is rumored to be one of his opponents, that's a real fighter. So if he goes out there and fights a guy like that, there's really going to be nothing anyone could say. And that's really a fight that would also sell because Chavez Jr., as controversial as he is, as up and down as his career has been, he does sell. Jake Paul sells big time. Jake Paul is trying to maneuver his way into a bigger fight. And that's the name of the game. This is prize fighting. They fight for prizes. This isn't amateurs. This isn't, oh, everyone needs to fight the best. Because when guys do fight the best, they usually don't get the credit that they deserve anyway. So it's really like, what's the point? We might as well milk this game as long as we can. And that's what a lot of guys do. And Jake Paul has figured that out. And he's making the most of it. So that was my second knockout of the year. Awesome knockout. Probably the most seen, too, because it went viral, of course. People who know nothing about boxing, I'm sure, saw that knockout. Um, Number one, Gabe Rosado knocking out Beck the Bully. Beck the Bully was the heavy favorite. He was pretty much destroying the first six or seven opponents he had before Rosado. They were building him up fast. He had a long amateur record uh, career, and he was just a knockout guy. He dropped Rosado in the first round, and then Rosado dropped him and knocked him out cold with one right hand. Great knockout. That is Gabe Rosado against Beck the Bully. Definitely check that knockout out if you haven't seen it. My knockout of the year. And fights of the year, number three. I'm going to go with Brian Castaño versus Jamel Charlo for the Undisputed Championship at 154. That was a great fight. That was a back-and-forth battle. I think Castaño edged it. I gave it to him, but the judges saw it a draw. I could see that but I could not see anyone having Charlo winning. Uh, Castaño definitely had his coming out party, pushed Charlo to the limit in an undisputed fighter, an undisputed fight, and they're going to run it back next year. Hopefully, it can live up to the first one. It's going to be tough to match. That was my third favorite fight of the year. Second, 
I got to go with Juan Francisco Estrada versus Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez too. That was an exceptional war. The only thing that I didn't like about that fight was the decision at the end. I thought Chocolatito edged it out. They gave it to Estrada. These guys are going to fight for the third time in 2022. Another great fight to look forward to next year. But number one, and there was no doubt about it, one of the best fights in the heavyweight division history. That is Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 3. Great fight. Great trilogy. Really capped it off as good as you possibly could with the best fight out of the three. Two guys with that animosity, that history, that hatred for each other, that much on the line, all the time in between two, the cancellations, the postponements, the court uh, dispute, everything about that fight and that rivalry was amazing. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, if you didn't see that fight, you need to pause the podcast right now. You need to go watch it because it was the best, not only the best fight of the year, like I said, it was probably the best fight in the last five years. Easily. It was just sensational. I know a lot of people wanted the Estrada to Chocolatito fight to be the, the fight of the year. But listen, I'm a, I love the small weight classes as well. They produce tremendous action and they all fight each other. But the heavyweight division is different. It's heavyweights and then there's everyone else. The heavyweight division stands alone at the top. And these two guys put on a display of heart and determination. Forget the skills, just the heart and determination alone was stuff of legend. It was a modern day great losing to what I believe is an all time great. I say Tyson Fury is an all time great, not because of his accomplishments. His, accompli- his accomplishments are pretty good, but that's all they are. They're pretty good. He beat Klitschko. And he's defeated Wilder every time he's faced him. Yes, there was an official draw, but we saw Wilder outbox, excuse me, Fury outbox Wilder. So it's not the accomplishments of Fury as it is his size and his movement for that size. He is 6'9". He is going to be a matchup problem for anyone in any era. Because if you look at the history of the heavyweight division, there hasn't been a guy that big that's been dominant. There really hasn't. Most of the guys in the heavyweight history <clears throat> who were the greats were under 6'4", 6'5", max. This guy is 6'9". So that's going to cause problems. His movement, his upper body movement, his jab, he's going to cause problems in any era. That's why I believe he's an all-time great. He's not going to beat everybody in the history, but he's going to be a problem stylistically are there guys like Mike Tyson who can come in with head movement and great legs and freakish athleticism and dive in on a Tyson Fury and and catch him and drop him yes there is there's many guys in the heavyweight division history that would give him problems Lennox Lewis even Holyfield at his size I believe Usyk's going to give him problems but he is a guy that can fight you anyway. We saw it with Wilder. He wanted to rough up Wilder. He, he, after the first fight, in which he outboxed him from the outside, he was like, yeah, I could do that, but that's too dangerous because Wilder needs the range to let off that right hand. So what Fury did was he went to the Kronk gym, switched up his whole training, and trained to be a big man, trained to get physical on the inside, used that size advantage that I spoke about that is so hard to match. Use that size advantage 
along with the cardio, along with the boxing skill on the inside, and you have a beast of a man who has so many different weapons in his arsenal, for the heavyweight division, it's tough to deal with because there's not many guys who are well-rounded in the heavyweight division. All you need is one shot, and Deontay Wilder possesses arguably the best one shot, and that's that right hand. But for the rematch, or the, the third fight, I should say, Wilder also changed his training camp. It was all about adjustments in this Fury, in this rivalry. Fury adjusted first. Wilder uh, readjusted for the third fight. He didn't get the victory, but he did get his most success. He did drop Fury twice in one round, had a chance to finish him. He added layers to his game. He added a left hook that I saw. I I saw it especially. I saw it live. I remember seeing it live, but watching it back really made me appreciate it even more. That left hook that Deontay Wilder was was adding to his arsenal. It really did switch things up for him, and I think it gave him an advantage early on. That in his work to the body, he was dedicated to the body. I don't think he really did that many times in his career where he sustained a body attack. The first punch at the first bell of the fight in round one. Watch closely. As the bell rings to start the round, Wilder is already across the ring with a jab to Fury's body. Like, the mindset of both fighters in this fight, mixed with their history, mixed with their adjustments, I could go on as I've already shown I've gone on a tangent here but I can go on about this fight all night long that's why it's my fight of the year if you disagree I want to hear your argument as to why if you didn't see it live you may not appreciate it as much but I still think watching it back knowing the outcome anyone who has even a little bit of boxing knowledge or a little bit of a fan even if you don't really care but you're you're casually like, oh, I'll watch fights once in a while. You'll love that fight. It's two guys who are larger than life. These are two guys that walk around. If you've seen them in an airport, didn't know anything about boxing or sports, you would say, what does this guy do looking at Tyson Fury? A guy that size, a guy like that. He looks like he's a wrestler. Looks like he works for WWE. And a guy like Deontay Wilder, Looks like he could fit in on the NBA court. He's that type of freak athlete. Two totally different styles, personality-wise, physical appearance-wise, background, lifestyle, everything. Opposites came together to make magic. That's why it's the fight of the year. Next is fighter of the year. I want to give an honorable mention because this was a tough one. There were some really good candidates. So an honorable mention for George Cambosis. Guy was a huge underdog, someone who I personally thought was going to get knocked out. And he went there to his opponent's hometown of New York, fought a tough fight, dropped him, got dropped himself, got back up, and won the fight and became the lightweight champion. Went from unknown to a star overnight. So he definitely deserves his recognition. This was just a really tough competition this year for Fighter of the Year. Number three, I am going with Brian Castaño. Brian Castaño out of Argentina, guy at a hell of a year, beat Patrick Teixeira for his first title in February, and then 
in July, he had the unification, actually the undisputed title fight with Jermel Charlo, a fight that I thought he won. Most people ringside believed he won, but he got the split decision draw. It was a draw. Hopefully we get the rematch in 2022. I believe February 26, 2022 is when it's scheduled. That should be a great fight. So Brian Castaño, two big championship title fights. One one deserved to win the other, but got draw, still retained his championship. And um, he's pretty much just one bad decision away from doing exactly what Cambosas did. Plus, he had a fight. So that shows how tough this year was just to crack the code of getting in the top three because Brian Castaño's three, and that was an impressive resume right there that he, that he uh, put on display this year. Very active, and it was high quality. Number two, Stephen Fulton. Cool boy Steph. Stephen Fulton, this dude is one of the best fighters in the sport. Quickly rising, too. Beat Angelo Leo. He was the underdog. He beat him in January, and then in November, him and Brandon Figueroa put on a classic. He came out with the victory. It was a close fight. I believe the right man won, and he beat two undefeated champions. He himself is undefeated. He himself is now a unified champion. So he went from top contender to multiple belt champion, beating undefeated champions on the way. That's a really impressive. Stephen Fulton definitely deserves everything that I'm saying. Definitely deserves you guys to pay attention to him in the future. Stephen Fulton is a rising star, and I really believe he would have won Fighter of the Year if it wasn't for one guy, and that's Big Red, Canelo Alvarez. Guy, Got to give it to him. Guy, we could criticize this guy's career a lot. Um, he's got a lot of bad decisions in his career. He's gotten away with a lot of iffy bouts, if you will. But 2021 for him was a year that definitely can't get criticized. It was his best year of his career, in my opinion. He beat two legit contenders and had a tune-up fight. So we could criticize the Yildirim fight as we did when it was announced. Avni Yildirim, guy's a complete no-hoper, got in there with Canelo Alvarez, got sent to hell. But if you're going to tell me, and I'm sure the entire, I'm going to speak for most boxing fans, if you're going to tell us that we get every top fighter to defend their championship against two legit contenders and have one tune-up, three fights a year, two contenders and a tune-up, I think we'd all sign up for that because Canelo's more active than everyone else. Everyone else at his level is fighting once a year. This guy gave us three times a year in a pandemic. Two big fights, one tune-up. I'll take it. Broke Billy Joe Saunders' eye and stopped Caleb Plant late in their fight. Dominating victories, undisputed champion. Canelo Alvarez is fighter of the year. Oh, and when I mentioned fights of the year, I forgot to mention the cruiserweight fight that was really under the radar. It was a random Fox card. I believe it was on the undercard. It might have been Morell's fight or something like that. But when Brandon Glanton and F.A. Apache fought at cruiserweight, both were undefeated. Both guys, and cruiserweight isn't a special division by any means right now. That division has fallen off the past couple of years. Nothing special about it. But these two guys created something special. These guys really put the world on notice. They were on free television. They were on Fox. They knew it was a big audience. 
and they really left it all on the line. It was something I would describe as carnage. The power and the pace was incredible. These are cruiserweights, 200-pounders, big guys, throwing leather. Uh, they weren't really worried about what was coming at them. They believed that they're the bigger puncher. They both thought they were the bigger guy. They both believed they're going to land first, and both guys were wrong several times because they were trading throughout this entire fight, going back and forth, getting the better of each other. It was awesome theater. Listen to the crowd. If you watch this fight, listen to the crowd from the first round to like the sixth or seventh round. In the first round, they're making a little bit of noise. They, they probably don't really know either fighter. They're just seeing two guys looking for some action, you know. But by the sixth or the seventh, the crowd is on their feet. The crowd is actually picking sides now. They're really invested in the fight. This entire fight's on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Brandon Glanton versus F.A. Apache. Two cruiserweights made a name for themselves. Had an all-out war. But that's it for the fighter awards. Now it's about me. Let's see where I was wrong. The three worst predictions I made this year. Number three, I got to go with Caleb Plant beating Canelo. For a couple years, I said Plant was going to beat Canelo. I think his footwork and his defense was the key. I thought he did really well in that fight, was competitive, but didn't do enough. Eventually got stopped, got caught against the ropes. That was one thing I didn't think was smart at all was him uh, staying on the ropes too much throughout the fight. But yeah, plant over Canelo, number three. Number two, I got to go with Guillermo Rigondeaux versus John Real Casimiro. I thought... That was going to be a really good fight. I was praising that card. It was a good card on paper. I was like, oh, you got to tune into this one. This one's going to be awesome. And it turned out to be the worst card of the year. Rigo put on a clinic boxing-wise. He really did. But it was just the most arrogant and most boring performance you could imagine. He did not want to engage at all. He was making Casemiro miss. But the thing... I didn't like was the score, how they gave it to Casemiro. Rigo wasn't trying to engage, but neither was Casemiro. That's why it was such a bad fight. Neither guy was pressing any type of action at all. They were both content with just moving around the ring. And I'm a big fan of the sweet science. I love hitting and not getting hit. I love that whole style of just moving away from your opponent, being evasive, being defensive. But you have to mirror that with some offense. And neither guy was doing anything offensively. And in the undercard, there was a fight that was stopped in the first or second round because of a cut. It was just a horrible card overall. The only bad card that Showtime put on all year. And that's that shows how good of a year it was that we can pinpoint the exact card that was horrible. And that was it. I said it was going to be great. It was really bad. The worst. And at number one, got to go with Tiafimo Lopez knocking out Cambosis. That was my prediction. I expected a devastating knockout. I expected Tiafimo to walk through Cambosis, and that is not what happened. Cambosis used his back foot. Cambosis was very good inside with his jab, but knew when to get back on his back foot and back up and land left hooks as he's backing up. He was really impressive in that fight. Tiafimo was not prepared at all, didn't adjust in any way, and got upset. So, that would have to be my worst prediction. I expected a knockout and the opposite happened. The 
underdog won by decision. Great fight either way. Those are my three worst predictions. My three best predictions of the year to me was Castaño three number Castaño being trouble for Charlo. That was my first podcast officially. Um, many of you may have received the email version before it was an official podcast, but the first actual podcast on Spotify was Castaño Charlo preview. And in that podcast, I told you guys, I think Castaño is going to be problems for Charlo. Yes, it was a unification. Yes, it was an undisputed. Yes, you should think that about champions. But a lot of people wrote Castaño off as just, uh, you know, another guy Charlo's going to walk through. No, Castaño was the real deal. I thought he won the fight. He eventually, he uh, ended up getting a draw. I thought that was a little, eh, it wasn't unfair, but I thought Castaño did edge it. I don't see a way you could have had it for Charlo. That was my number three best prediction. Number two would be, Wilder Fury 3. I mean, I said it was going to be a war. I knew it was going to be by far their best fight. I knew both guys were going to come in with great game plans, and I discussed it earlier in this podcast. It was the fight of the year. And number one, my best prediction of the year to me, was Alexander Usyk invading the heavyweight division and taking Anthony Joshua's three championship belts. Alexander Usyk displayed a great performance. He did what he always does in big fights. He dominated. He took a few rounds to get a guy's rhythm, and it was over from there. Alexander Usyk is there to stay. I believe he poses the biggest threat to become undisputed champion. He was undisputed at cruiserweight when the cruiserweight division really meant something. And now he's one victory away from being undisputed at heavyweight. Really impressive stuff by him. And that, to me, was my best prediction because I saw many writers, analysts, fans, everything saying that Joshua was just too big, too strong. He was going to destroy Usyk. That didn't happen. Usyk picked Joshua apart and took his belts. But that pretty much wraps up 2021, an incredible year in the sport. I hope 2022 can match it, if not surpass it. It won't be easy to top this year, but I believe they have the talent. They definitely have the money. Let's make these fights happen. Let's continue this run of making undisputed fights. I believe we had three, possibly four in 2021. That's loaded. That's the best fighting the best. So hopefully we can continue that trend in 2022, get more big fights, more unifications. And we are starting it off with uh, an undisputed title fight with Charlo and Castaño, the rematch. So we're getting off to a good start. The schedule, I'm sure, will come out probably in January. Showtime usually does their first half schedule in um, mid-January, going through from January until the summer. And other networks usually follow suit after that and start releasing their schedule. It's a good way to hype up the year, good way to have things to look forward to. But the, the year is beginning with a fight on January 1st, this Saturday, Fox pay-per-view, Luis Ortiz, Cuban heavyweight, going against Prince Charles Martin. Really good heavyweight matchup. Uh, also on the undercard is the rematch, Johnny Rice versus Michael Coffey. Uh, Rice really upset Coffey in his last fight. This is the rematch, gave Coffey his first loss. This should be a war. Heavyweights are on every fight in this card. Also, Frank Sanchez, young heavyweight, coming out of the Canelo camp. He had a great performance on the Wilder Fury undercard. He knocked out, or not, excuse me, he didn't knock him out, but he beat F.A. Ajagba in a close fight. 
and he's getting back in the ring. He was supposed to fight Carlos Negron, but I believe Negron has COVID or some other ailment. He pulled out of the fight last minute. There's, they're looking for a replacement. I'm not sure who the replacement is, but Frank Sanchez will be fighting on that undercard. Johnny Rice versus Michael Coffey, the rematch in the main event. Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin. Really good heavyweight matchup. Um, I think the winner of that fight will be in position in line for a chance at a, if if not a title shot, a chance for a title shot. There's actually a lot of talent in the heavyweight division right now. I think we're getting a transition of a lot of veterans coming in that started boxing late. <clears throat> that started boxing late, like a Michael Coffey, who looked dominant and then faced a guy that they haven't fought, a style that they haven't fought yet because they're so... They don't have that amateur background. They're, they're inexperienced at the pro level. So while they have power and they have athleticism, some things happen. They make, they make mistakes that a veteran of their age wouldn't normally do. So we got a lot of older guys coming in. We got a lot of younger talent in the heavyweight division. And we still have the guys at the top lingering around, like the Joshua's, Wilder's, Furies of the world. It's a really interesting time. Ten years ago... The heavyweight division was trash. Now, there's a lot of young and old talent in the heavyweight division, and they'll be on display Saturday on Fox Pay-Per-View. I believe the pay-per-view is $30 or $40, $40 max. A lot of people complain about the pay-per-view. Look, I personally obviously want it on regular TV. If it was on Fox, especially on January 1st, where a lot of people are home. Um, it's a big sports television night. Boxing, especially heavyweights, a full card of heavyweights on free television, I think would have done a tremendous number for Fox. But I get it. Pay-per-view is sometimes the only way we can get good fights because we need to pay these fighters what they're asking for. You know, th these fighters aren't fighting for free. This is prize fighting. So a lot of these fights don't get made unless they're pay-per-view. And people that are complaining about pay-per-view, look, don't get the pay-per-view. It's not that serious. If you don't want to pay for pay-per-view, don't get it. But I notice a lot of the people who complain about the pay-per-views are people who never buy the pay-per-view anyway. So it doesn't matter who's on the card. They're not actually buying a pay-per-view. But to me, $40, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it because I'm not sure if I'll be home. But if I'm home, I'll definitely pay $40 to watch a good heavyweight card. And if you're someone who doesn't want to spend money on something like that. Think of it like this. If you go out to a bar or something, you're definitely spending at least $40, $50 the least if you're doing it right. So I personally don't mind spending that on entertainment. If you don't want to spend that money, invite a friend or two over, tell them throw 10 bucks. There you go. It's not that serious. I'm sure everyone will still survive the next day. I look at it like this. If I don't support things that I enjoy, the things that I enjoy may no longer exist. So $30, $40 for a pay-per-view. Guys are going to put on exciting heavyweight fights. It's not that bad to me. But like I said, buy it or don't buy it. Simple. No one's forcing anybody. That's Saturday night, January 1st. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I will be back next year. Hopefully it's a better year for boxing, even though this one was a tremendous. Hopefully it's a better year for our personal lives. Hope everyone out there is being safe. Let's just have a great 2022. 
Drive safely. Please don't drink and drive. There's Ubers. There's there's friends you could call, family members, anyone. Just not me because my ass ain't leaving the couch. But if you do need to call someone, definitely make that call before you make a bad decision. Everyone be safe out there. Have a great new year. I'll be back in 2022 with more boxing takes. But until next time, I'm out.